Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, yes, and a good afternoon to you. It's wonderful to be in your company. It is Wednesday. It is just gone 10 past 2 on this Wednesday afternoon. And this is Rabbi Michael Katz here with you on Judaism 101.9 as part of the Soul to Soul offering of Chai FM, which still continues, has been going for many years, and it's an honor and a privilege to be part of it all. And on this segment of our show, we're going to be sharing with you some ideas of the upcoming Chag, the upcoming festival of Tubishvat. It is well known as Tubishvat. <coughs> In and of itself, it has a strange name. And perhaps first up, let's deal with the name. What does it mean when we say Tubishvat? Some people don't like to refer to it as Tubishvat, and they would call it the 15th of Shvat, Chamisha Azabishvat. We've got to know that the word Tu is an abbreviated word, and there is something very important about that abbreviated word. Tu is also a Hebrew number. Those of you in the know will know that Tu, a Tet and a Vav, add up to 9 plus 6, and therefore Tu Bishvat, literally translated, means the 15th of the month of Shvat. We're in this month of Shvat now, and of course, two weeks into the month, almost um, uh, just just coming to the halfway mark of the month right now. And it's at this juncture, at this point in the month, that we celebrate Tubishvat, the 15th of Shvat. Now, why is the number two there? Why do we have this strange combination of a nine and a six? You know, why didn't we go for the usual, which you have in uh, like um, Roman numerals, uh, rather in English, uh, uh, regular language, of, uh, of, 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 of numerology of numbers, when we get to 10, we add a 1 to the 10, we put the 1 next to the 10, and you have 11, 1, 1. Then you have 1, 2, then you have 1, 3, which is 13, then 1, 4, which is 14, 1, 5, which is 15. Why does it not follow like that in Hebrew? We have 10 is Yud, and then we do have Yud Aleph, Yud plus 1, or 1 next to it, which is 11, Yud Bet, which is 12. But we have a change when we get to 15 and 16. And then it reverts back to Yud Zion for 17, Yud Chet for, <coughs> for 18, the famous Chai. Chai is Yud Chet, 10 plus 8 or 8 plus 10. Why do we have it when it comes to 15 and 16 that there is a sudden change? Well, if you really think about it, it goes all the way back to the time when Hashem gave us the Torah and He told us that we shouldn't take His name in vain. Now, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Taking God's name in vain doesn't only mean like uh, unnecessarily swearing by God's name. It doesn't only necess- it doesn't only mean that we're talking about um, uh, using God's name out of out of uh, out of shul, so to speak. But what it does mean is that we shouldn't use God's name in any flippant, in any basic, in any a simplistic or simple kind of a way where it could be regarded as a degradation, disregard, or um, not really living up to the Kedusha, the holiness of God's name. Now, when we have a Yud and a Hay, which would be 10 plus 5 standing next to each other, or a Yud and a Vav, 10 plus 6 standing next to each other, those are shortened forms, or they are really 
God's name. Yud and Hey is sometimes used um, in our liturgy as one of God's names. We know the most famous, which starts with Ad and ends with Nai, and then we have um, um, the other, all the other names of Hashem. Um, too many actually to mention here, but one of them is a Yud, and then that is followed by a Hey or a Yud, and that is followed by a Vav. And so, therefore, while these numbers may exist as numbers, we cannot use them as numbers if it spells God's name. It's like um, not very uh, holy if on a secular book or any book, I guess, if you're just writing a page number, for instance, and you say that that page number is a name that spells God. And therefore, when we come to our Hebrew numbering, when it comes to the number 15, instead of saying 10 plus 5, we simply revert to a little bit of mathematical genius, and we say that it's 9 plus 6, which is Tet Vav, 9 plus 6. Or when we go to, 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 the, to the next day, it will be Tet Zayin, 9 plus 7. And it's all there in order to avoid using one of God's names in vain. But if we think about it then, when we come to these days, actually behind the date itself, we have to dig a little bit deeper and we find God, godliness, God himself, behind these actual, let's call them covers for, uh, for God's name, which too actually is. We don't want to say it. We don't want to spell it out. But pretty much like, I guess, every time we say the, the word Hashem, which means the name, instead of saying God's name, which is polite and kind and good and right, every time we do that, we know we're referring to God. And here, too, in a way, we know we're referring to something special. And it's been pointed out so many times in Torah literature that so many important things happen in the middle of a calendar, a Jewish calendar month. The 15th is the time when there is this dominance in the night sky of the moon, the light in the darkness. Is that not what we as Jews are supposed to be? Lights in darkness. Well, we, there's no shortage of darkness um, in a darkish kind of a world. And we as Jews have to continue to light up the darkness. And we're given a message of that light from the fact that so many of our important chagim occur in the middle of a month. Not all of them, but many of them. If we think about it, Purim, Pesach, uh, Sukkot, um, there are so many of them that occur in the middle of the month. Why? Because it is a time when the moon is at its fullest. It's a time when there is this dominance of light within the darkness. It's almost a symbol of our power, our prowess, our strength as Jews in an otherwise possibly darkened world. And so therefore, this Chag, besides anything else, just simply by its name, comes around to remind us that remember, behind it all, God is there and God is in control. Remember that it is at a time when the power of Jewish light is in the ascendancy. It is getting ever stronger. It is not, God forbid, weakening in any way. Not here in South Africa, not anywhere in the world, not in Israel, not anywhere. 
although the nations of the world may be ganging up and people may be saying things uh, that make us feel uncomfortable and that are untrue and unkind and unpleasant with all the uns, all of those things are there maybe just to galvanize, to strengthen and to make us realize the absolute truth that we have and the wonderful community that we have and the honor and privilege that we have to be along to the Jewish people and to have this brief from God Almighty to be a light, a light unto the nations, a light to the world, bringing this light as we need to in the middle of the month, similar to the way the moon lights up the night sky in the middle of the month, when it is full, when it's a full moon, when it's a complete sphere of beautiful, radiant, gorgeous light in the night, that's actually the role and the goal of each and every one of us. And particularly as we come to this Tubishvat tonight and tomorrow, where, by the way, in practice in shul, you will notice that at Mincha time right now, today, we do not say Tachanun, we do not say penitential prayers. There is an atmosphere of joy, of Simcha. The Simcha is all about a lot of stuff that we're going to discuss in the next segment. But right now, let's just think about the light that we need to continue to create and the positive energy that we need to exude and to have going forward with the honor and privilege of what it actually means to be a Jew. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So let's think about Tubishvat in practicality. What is it actually? What's it all about? I heard on one of the shows um, earlier this week where it was referred to as the birthday of the trees. Factually incorrect. If we think about it, everything was born, from a Jewish point of view, in the week of the creation. So the birthday for the trees would surely have been in the same week that man was created. And that is at the beginning of Tishrei. So it would have been like the end of Elul. Um, not now on Tubishvat, not now in the 15th of Shvat, the trees were created. If we're going back to creation, the birthday of the trees would rather be the time of creation round about Rosh Hashanah time. But there is something in it which maybe is important for us to understand about this expression of birthday for the trees, which is factually incorrect. It is rather known in a Jewish teaching in our Mishnah and Talmud and so on, as the new year for the trees, Rosh Hashanah Leilanot, the new year for the trees. There's a big difference between a new year and a birthday. And we've kind of got used to the fact that um, the idea of birthday and new year kind of always lines up, but not necessarily. Because what are we talking about when we talk about the new year? Well, perhaps we need to reflect back. What is our new year? What is Rosh Hashanah all about? It, Yes, it celebrates the birthday of man, but our real emphasis is on something that is important for us. What do we learn from it? Why is it necessary to have a new year? Well, last week in our Torah portion in the Parsha of the week, we read about the obligation on the Jewish people, the instruction to the Jewish people, the first mitzvah that they were given as a Jewish nation when we left Egypt was to have a calendar, to be running a calendar. And the calendar, which is very different from anybody and everybody else, this calendar 
having a different beat, a different rhythm, a different um, system and a different set of instructions that pertain to us. But nonetheless, to remember how important it is to run everything according to a calendar, to have our chagim, our festivals recurring, to have them remembering the right things and to have the emphasis of this calendar primarily to be that it is a Jewish calendar, that we celebrate our Jewish birthdays, that we celebrate our Jewish wedding anniversaries, that we celebrate and we commemorate Yorzeit uh, and so on, on Jewish dates rather than on secular calendar dates, which puts it into a completely different perspective because what we're doing is we're thinking about souls rather than bodies. We're thinking about the spiritual rather than the automatic physical, material world. And we're placing ourselves in a completely different realm when we go along with this concept of our Jewish calendar. Now, our calendar is run according to the moon for our months, and therefore 15th of Shvat, Tubi Shvat, is a lunar date. However, it is also linked with the sun. Our calendar is sun-dependent as much as it is moon-dependent. We get moon from months, months, moon, you get it, same word. But the sun dictates the seasons. And there's something important about the seasons because we're told that the season of Pesach needs to be the spring in Israel. Now, it wouldn't be in the spring if we kept on uh, going with lunar months because there are too few days in a purely lunar year and it would keep on receding. And therefore, we have the concept of a leap year. And we're now in a leap year when we have an extra month of Adar, Adar 1 and Adar 2, the two uh, months of Adar that will occur before we get to Nisan, before we get to Pesach. It's the next two months that are going to be coming up in 15. 14, 15 days' time, where we come to the first month of Adar. And this is all to make sure that Pesach is in the spring. So a very relevant and important point that is made about the Jewish calendar, the months run according to the moon, but the years, the seasons, the times of our Chagim, of our festivals, they have to have the overlay, the interconnectivity, uh, not only a lunar calendar, but a solar calendar as well the sun calendar. And it's there that we need to start thinking a little bit about this important date of Tubishvat, of the 15th of Shvat. Because what happened, or what happens every year, is when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, everything on Rosh Hashanah, our new year, is decided up in Shemayim for us, based on our application, on our involvement, on the things that we're doing, and so on. Everything is decided. We always talk about it. Maybe you'll be written and sealed in the good books. That is talking about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But that means that what's decided, what is decided is how many uh, deals you're going to do, how much money you're going to have. Uh, <coughs> if you're looking for a shidduch, who you're going to marry. If you're uh, involved in the simcha business, how many simchas you're going to have. If you're involved in just receiving Hashem's blessings, how much of those blessings, how many of those blessings are you going to be receiving during this year? Everything and anything is decided, Rosh Hashanah. It is sealed on Yom Kippur and so on. So it stands to reason then also that um, if you're a farmer, how much agriculture you're going to have and what your produce is going to be like should also be ordained at that time. However, there's a little bit of a trick here. 
that we need to pick up and we need to discuss and understand. And that is that into the month of Tishrei, in the middle of the month, we meet up with a festival called Sukkot. And the festival of Sukkot, interestingly enough, is the time when we believe that the bracha, the blessing, the allotment of water for the year actually takes place. Yes, we only start begging for rain and appealing to God for rain on Shmini Atzeret, which we all know this year and this past year occurred on the 7th of October. That was the date, Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah, on which we said and we say special prayers for rain. It is a special time for us to draw down that allotment, that blessing of rain at the end of the Chag. Why do we do it at the end of the Chag? Is because we have a kind of contradictory thing that uh, in the Festival of Tabernacles, the Festival of Sukkot, we're told to dwell in Sukkot and we have holes in the roof. And if we rain, we can't keep that. If it rains, we can't keep that mitzvah. So it would be a little bit suspect to be begging for rain at a time that you're told to sit outside uh, doesn't really work for everybody. Although everybody says it rains on Sukkot, it's actually another Baba Maisa doesn't always rain on Sukkot. We had a beautiful Sukkot this past year with very, very little rain to disturb us. So it doesn't always, there are no givens about that, but it is the time for the allotment of water, the Chag, the festival of tabernacles, the festival of Sukkot. That occurs, you heard it, on the 15th of Tishrei. Now, sages tell us something amazing. And that is that the fruit that would be blessed, that would benefit from the water that falls uh, or that is given to a particular tree that is irrigated by that water, it takes four months for the water to produce the fruit. It takes four months for that connection to be made. And therefore, when the farmers, when the people who are doing their uh, fruit produce, produce donations in temple times um, brought their fruit to the Beit HaMikdash. They needed to know when was the cutoff date. When could they say that the fruit was from last year's allotment and therefore was covered by that tithe? And when did it change to this year's allotment? Now, they just chose to um, make it Torah tells us that it is from the 15th of Shvat, four months after the water, the blessing of this year, has had an effect on that fruit. That's when we can actually say that the fruit that we are going to pick, that we're going to have, that is going to be utilized, that needs to be brought to the Beit HaMikdash, the temple as a tithe, and we're trying to work out if it's last year's blessing or this year's blessing, the cutoff date is the 15th of Shvat. So it was like a tax year end in a way for the fruit. And this was then called the new year for the trees. But more specifically, it's the new year for the fruit trees, the fruit trees and the fruits that they bear so that the farmers could know that it was this year's blessings. Well, now we actually have a really, really fascinating and very, very beautiful notion to digest and to think about. We're sitting now, coming to Bishvat, exactly four months after Sukkot, which means that unfortunately the 7th of October was one week into that. It was the time of the allotment of the uh, blessings, uh, of the bracha of the water, 
And we now come to Tubishvat, the 15th of Shvat, which is a brand new lease on life, and it's an enjoyment of brand new brachas, brand new blessings. It's very difficult for people to see and for people to understand the uh, brachot, the blessings that we have around us when you have so much going on in our world. However, from a Jewish perspective, we have to remember that the same way as two covers for a yud and a hay, and actually is one of God's holy names, and we show respect by not utilizing it, so too we need to be able to realize and recognize our great and wonderful blessings. It is completely disingenuous, it is completely dishonest in a way, for us to actually sit back and say, oh, nothing is going right, everything is wrong, everything's wrong with our government and everything's wrong with our society and everything's wrong with the world and that there is so much wrong in the world. Agreed. There are a lot of very, very difficult things that are happening. There's a tremendous amount of difficulty out there. There's a lot of anti-Semitism that we didn't know existed and that was um, uh, hovering beneath the surface and it's now come to the fore. There was a tremendous amount of darkness, but the job of a Jew of each and every one of us, is to turn on the lights, is to recognize the blessings, to recognize the brachas. How many brachas do we have? And if we think about it and we start counting and we start thinking about the blessings that we have, the beautiful community that we have in this country, the wonderful environment that we have to practice our Yiddishkeit, the incredible friendship and warmth that we have within our community, yes, and even from the non-Jewish members of our community, there is a tremendous amount of positive, of wonderful, positive, uplifting, good, kind, fantastic energy. And to say that it's all dark and it's all doom and gloom, God forbid. And the 15th of Shvat, Tubi Shvat, gives us that opportunity to look at rejuvenation. We are talking about the blessing of the fruit, and we're talking about the blessings of Dafka this year, which start from the 15th of Shvat, as we explained before, four months after the blessing of the water. Now, you and I know that without water, we can't get very far. And one of the greatest analogies for Torah is that Torah is like water, the same way as people cannot survive. Without, the same way as people cannot survive, live physically without water for more than three days, so too a Jew cannot live without Torah for more than three days. And therefore, actually, in the times of Ezra, uh, the scribe, in the time of the second base, Amigdash, second temple, they instituted the concept of Torah reading on Monday, on Thursday, and on Shabbos, so that there was never, ever a gap of less than three days in a public space where words of Torah weren't heard. If God forbid, they're not heard in any other way. If uh, people aren't studying Torah themselves privately or publicly or attending shiurim or so on, this idea of um, of uh, three days without Torah never happens because there is this constant Torah institution of Torah in public places. And therefore, when we think about our magnificent shuls and our wonderful institutions and our beautiful schools and yeshivas and our fantastic setup of a community with a Hebrew Kedisha and with all the wonderful things that uh, pertain to and that belong to and that are so proudly part of our fantastic 
Jewish community. There are so many brachas here. There are so many blessings. We need to open our eyes a little bit and see them properly. Yes, we do. And we need to make sure that as we tap into the energy of Tuvishvat, of the 15th of Shvat, that we recognize our blessings, that we recognize our brachas, that we count them, and we count them sincerely, and we remember that God is behind them all, and that ultimately God is behind everything. And with just a little more faith, a little bit more trust, a little bit more emuna, and a little bit more direction in the right direction, we undoubtedly and certainly can... Uh, carry forward this beautiful community and we can undoubtedly and certainly um, do so much in the way of goodness, of kindness and of change for the good and for the better in this country and around the world. And please God, this Tubishvat, this 15th of Shvat, will bring about the uh, thing that we hope and pray for more than ever and more than uh, anything else the return of the hostages, the end to the hostilities, the end to the death and dying in Israel and uh, for our wonderful uh, soldiers and our committed people who are there to defend us all on a regular basis. We need to make sure that everyone is protected, including them. And please, God, that will be the blessing of Tubishvat and from now going forward. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We've been talking about good spiritual health, which starts here. Good spiritual health, speaking about Tubishvat, the 15th of Shvat, Hamisha Subishvat. I wanted to just tell you a little bit about what we can and we should do on this day. What happens on Tubishvat? What do we do? Well, there is a tradition on this day, which is tonight and tomorrow, to partake of the fruit with which the Holy Land is praised. You find that in Dvarim and Deuteronomy 8.8, which are olives, dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates. We should taste these fruits, and if we're tasting them, of course, for the first time in this season, we should remember to say the Shehechayanu prayer, the blessing that we say, thanking God for sustaining us and enabling us to reach this occasion. Since it is a festive date that we said before, we do not say Tachanun, that is tonight and tomorrow. In other words, Mincha time, as well as tonight in your bedtime um, Shema, as well as tomorrow for the duration of the day. Now, while it's in customary to increase in the amount of fruit that we eat, uh, we need to remember that the bracha for fruit is Borei Pri Ha'etz, blessed is God who creates the fruit of the tree. And of course, as we mentioned excuse me, the blessing of the fruit should also be followed by the after blessing where we say Allah eats valaperot for the uh, fruit. Many have a custom on this day of eating carob. And there is another custom that many have to eat the etrog, either in the form of preserves or sugared slices, etc. And it was the custom of the famed Kabbalist Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, the Arizal, to actually eat 15 varieties of fruits on the 15th of Shvat. If you can find 15 varieties of fruits and you can do that, I'm sure it's going to stand you in good stead from a Kabbalistic point of view. So those are the practices of the day. Not that much. And yes, there are many who've adopted the custom of planting trees on this date, but actually in a halachic point of view, from a spiritual point of view, there's nothing really about planting trees. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's great for agriculture and so on. 
But nowhere does it actually talk about um, the planting of trees as being a necessity. It's something much more modern that was taken um, upon uh, by uh, many in Israel and so on to see to the planting of trees. And we know the value of the tree and, of course, the symbolism of the tree to man himself. We need to make sure that we have good, strong roots. We need to make sure that the trunk of the tree and its branches are great. We need to make sure then that the foliage is good. And of course, we need to make sure that we raise up good children, the fruits of our labors. And in so doing, that they too will carry the blessings that we can garner and that we can nourish this world with. And they too will carry it forward in the most beautiful way, not only on Tubishvat on the 15th of Shvat, but in the time of their lives going forward. Be back with you to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, uh, this is Rabbi Michael Katz back with you with Judaism 101.9 here on your favorite radio station, of course, Chai FM. It's wonderful to be in your company. It's wonderful to be able to talk to you about things like Tubishvat, Hamishal Subishvat, the 15th of Shvat, the positive energy that it needs to, uh, to, to, to usher in, to bring in in a beautiful, fruitful, flowing, positive, energetic way into our lives, making us uh, remember who is actually in charge, that it's all up to God, that it's all up to Shamayim, but that we have an obligation as Jews to make sure that not only are our trees strong and beautiful in a spiritual sense, that our fruit, our produce, our children are strong and nourished and spiritual, but that we see to it that on this 15th day that we ingest the concept of the blessings of the concept of light that we need to bring to the world to bring light, to bring clarity, to bring truth, to bring the energy of all of that to the world in a very, very positive and energetic fashion. That's our job. That's our job right now. And we look forward to the coming Shabbat, the Shabbat, which is known as Shabbat Shira. Shira, the song of the sea, the song that our uh, forefathers sang when they crossed the Red Sea. It is the Shabbos of song. We sing songs here of joy, of gladness. And hopefully as we sing the song of joy, of gladness, and the song of triumph at Kriyat Yamsuf, of the crossing of the sea, we will also be singing a song of redemption, of Geula. Geula redemption from the darkness. Geula redemption from the bondage, from the difficulties, from the lies, from the untruths, from all the harshnesses and all the difficulties that we've confronted, that we've faced right up until now, not only in the last four months, but in our lives, as well as in the lives of our forebears, of our parents and grandparents, and then many, many generations going back all the way to the time of the first Golos and then the second Golos, the diasporas that we've been in ever since the destruction of our Botei Migdash, of our temples in Yerushalayim. And it'll be the time when we usher in a brand new light, when there is the new light of Mashiach, when we will have a world that will be fundamentally good, that will be fundamentally positive and true and kind and energetic. And hopefully it's all ushered in now as we celebrate Tu Bishvat, the 15th of Shvat, which is really, hopefully, the beginning of all great and wonderful things for you, for your family, for your loved ones, for your community, 
and most particularly for the whole Jewish people everywhere on this Tu Bishvat, on this Chamisha Asa Bishvat. I'm looking forward to being back with you again, same time, same place next week, which just remains for me, to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead and a wonderful rest of the week. And I look forward to being back with you, same time, same place, next week, right here on Judaism 101.9.